Hi. Don Corleone, and it's another episode of Don Corleone and the Dusty Movie Review Show. Featuring today, my wonderful, wonderful co-host, Mr. Dusty Wells. How you doing today, Dusty? I'm doing great, baby, if you will. Uh, did you watch any of that damn wrestling this week? What's a wrestling? You always bring this up. We got, we got together one time, we ate cannolis, and you always talk wrestling. What's a wrestling? I know Bruno San Martino. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know exactly what we're talking about there, baby. Uh, listen here. I want someone really, really that. good to place that gun uh, behind the toilet so my brother doesn't come out with nothing but his dick in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that was a wonderful little skit impromptu. Uh, if you guys are still here, this is another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Uh, you know, out of our two episodes a week now that me and Chris dedicate our lives to, uh, in which we break down wrestling. If you guys are new listeners, thank you guys. Uh, go to our website at Geek Vibes Nation. Uh, that is the uh, overall media company that we do the podcast through. There you'll find news for comics, comic book movies, pro wrestling, pretty much everything geek-related we cover. you also find links to our Instagram, our Twitter, and our Facebook at Geek Vibes Nation. And all of our platforms, they can listen to this. If you want to listen live, I always put up it, you know, and just go to Blog Talk. We usually do our shows on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. EST for two hours, and then our Saturday shows at noon for two hours, uh, Eastern Standard Time, once again. So Blog Talk for that. If not, just go to Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. Just search, you know, either Geek Vibes Nation for all of our shows or Wrestling Geeks Alliance specifically for this one. Well, now that I got all of that out of the way, I uh, just yeah. wanted to say, you know, um, yeah, wrestling. Wrestling is cool, man. I'm uh, very excited about a show tonight uh, called AEW Full Gear. Um, on our last episode on Wednesday, or Thursday, I should say. I think I said Wednesday the whole entire time. I'm still having that bad transition. It's Thursday at 7 p.m. We were doing Wednesday for several years. Excuse me, please. Um, but either way. Uh, you know, we were talking about the way that they set up all these matches, and I think that AEW did a wonderful job for the pers- first pay-per-view uh, post them, uh, you know, starting on Dynamite, basically. Um, so I wanted to, you know, go into predictions, Chris, with you. Uh, well, actually, you know, I in- introduced Dusty Rhodes. I actually did not introduce the real Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I apologize for falling into an Italian accent midway through Dusty, but, like, I love the fucking Godfather, and I was trying to fit in the I don't want my brother coming out with nothing but his dick in his hands because it's, like, one I of like the best it. lines in the movie. I fucking love Sonny. Uh, when he whips that guy's ass in the street, 
for hitting his sister. It's a great, great moment in uh, cinematography. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And I just found out uh, from some video probably on Facebook, apparently De Niro was up for that role and lost it to Khan. That's a, that would have been a crazy difference since he obviously played a young uh, Corleone in the next movie that everyone loves. But uh, Godfather, I'm kinda glad great that, series I'm kinda of glad. movies. I'm kind of glad that he lost that role because, like, Sonny is fucking iconic in that first movie. I think Absolutely. he's someone that you can kind of relate to as, like, a hothead. If you've ever been pissed off in life, you can look at Sonny's character and be like, yeah, no, I've been through that in my life, and I definitely wanted to kick that dude's ass. Yeah, well, all right, let me let me do this to you. We're not a Monday suck, but screw it. Sonny versus um, Joe Pesci's character from Goodfellas. I forgot what his name is. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But which one's more of a, a hothead, if you will? Oh, Pesci by far. It's the guy. Like, because Pesci was just... He does shoot kind a of child. Sadistic. Yeah, he's like a sadistic maniac, as opposed to Sonny is just like a family man who really loves his brother, but is not necessarily super intelligent, if that makes more sense. Absolutely. Like he, he the, is, the brain kind of got skipped over with Sonny, and that's why he doesn't end up becoming the actual Godfather. Nope, it's Pacino, man. But yeah, great series of movies from Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, if you want to check them out, definitely recommend it. If you haven't seen them, I kind of judge you. But either way, let's get back into this, Chris. Let's. I kind of said that like walking on accident. But either way, um, <laughs> AW. Full Gear is going to be tonight. I'm very excited about this. I want to start off just so we can kind of talk about this as much as possible. We're also going to go over SmackDown, talk about our favorite things for NWA, and we can also talk about some new stuff too after that. Um, but this is a big thing, obviously. Uh, so let's start off. I don't know if this is in order. This is CBS uh, Sports giving us the details of all the, the uh, matches, but I don't know if they give out the match orders uh, or if they're like WWE where they, you know, just give you the matches, if you will, probably that. So uh, we'll just go up the list um, on the buy-in pre-show. We have uh, Dr. Britt Baker going against her rival, uh, Bea Priestley. Um, I believe still the fiance for Will Ospreay. Uh, you know, they've been building this on dark and on the main um, dynamite show of them just not getting along. Uh, Priestley's like, I think cost Britt Baker, if I'm not mistaken, a championship, um, or at least has screwed her in the past. I I do know she accidentally gave her that concussion not too long ago, but they kind of used that within the storyline. So this should be a good match, especially for a pre-show match between both ladies. What I want to see in this is really get down Priestley as being a very dominant heel, and let's get Britt Baker. You know, obvi- I, I would I would assume, and my prediction is she gets the win on this, Chris. And, you know, just make her look like a stud. That video package that they did in Pittsburgh really helped her out. Um, but, you know, I need to see more of her. And I need to see more development, I think, uh, with a lot of the women uh, in the women's division. And the men, but, you know, you know what I'm saying. So what do you think about this match between Dr. Britt Baker and Bea Priestley on the buy-in pre-show? So before I can really talk about the match, I have to talk about her promo on AEW Dark. Um, that's, that was fucking awful. Like, as good as some promos have been in AEW, the um, constant use of dental terms, I think she went a little overboard with it. Um, and it kind of just seemed very scripted and, and very WWE, which is opposite of what I want AEW to be in most most cases as far as, like, promos go. Uh, I think that she's going to get a strong win here. 
the only caveat is I do think Awesome Kong is going to show up on the show, so I'm wondering if it's going to be on the pre-show or if it's going to be in the title match a little later on. I do like they built in the concussion into their storyline, and um, like that piece of the promo and building towards the match I liked, but the rest of that promo was uh, was a little rough to get through, man. Was a little garbage. Well, I heard that um, a lot of people don't know, know this, but her uh, she's she's paying homage to her father, which was um, Isaac Yankum. Uh, he was a wrestler for a little while in the early '90s. He got an injury and ended up uh, kicking out of the <laughs> WWE. Uh, coincidentally, right before Glenn Jacobs, who looks very familiar to him, um, showed up on the scene. Uh, so you know, I think the I'm just kidding. That's obviously Kane. Uh, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, I did see the promo that you were talking about, and I do agree with you. She does need uh, a bit of work, and uh, I we didn't really get a chance to talk about it. But uh, what what is with these these promos with Brandy and Awesome Kong? Are they delivering us a package where Brandy is going to be a heel manager for Awesome Kong, or is there more to it than that that I'm not seeing? I think that she's like awesome Kong is almost like her monster that she created because she's, this is where I would go with it because of her position in the company, much like Cody, the reason Cody doesn't want to wrestle in these matches. Like if he loses the, this title match, he doesn't want to seem like he's forcing himself into situations. Um, So from that standpoint, if that's where they're going with it, where she's still going to be the president, but now she has awesome Kong as kind of her pawn to win a championship as a heel manager. I like it. Um, I just don't want her showing up at the end of the show tonight and, like, celebrating with everyone and doing the goodbye to the crowd and all that stuff. Or if you do it, do it after the show is over, almost like a curtain call, like after it's off my TV. Um, But, yeah, I kind of like the idea of her being a heel. My guess is later on in the night, Kong is going to have some kind of interference in this title match with Rio and destroy both of these uh, female Japanese wrestlers. They're great. but I kind of feel like that's where they're going to go and then set up. I, I still feel like they're setting up Kong versus Aja Kong, um, which I'm completely fine with. Like Aja yeah, Kong comes too. in as like a defender, defender of these Japanese female wrestlers. And then you get that match. Do you think they could do an angle? I think it would be, you know, sort of an homage because it would kind of be right on the, uh, the, the nose, but something in which Brandy uses Kong to win the title eventually, and then Million Dollar Man under the Giant style, you know, tries to get the title that way or something like that. I could see her kind of staring Kong in this direction to help her out. Or if she's in ring, use Kong as her advantage to get that said title in the future and just go full heel because, I mean, I know it's a very – a lot of people are going to put similarities to Stephanie McMahon, but – I think Brandy is really good as a heel. I, I, don't, I don't know how you get around that at the same time. Yeah, I think that she's done, as far as like her heel stuff's been so far, you know, specifically with bringing Kong in to be her kind of advantage in one of the previous pay-per-views, if you recall that. Um, I like that a lot. And I, I kind of like what they're doing with the character. I like the video packages. There's some... Uh, mystique to them for sure we don't know exactly what's going on i think we have a good idea and for once when we have a good idea about something it might actually come to fruition (laughs) in wrestling so um no kidding i I will say it i feel like you know the million dollar man's a good comparison but it's to me it seems like you could do like sean diesel yeah where or very much you know um where even maybe she maybe she brings in 
Aja Kong to defend her. So I feel like there's a lot of really cool things you could do out of the storyline with them. Um, and Brandy's great too. So hopefully, you know, this is building up to, like you said, maybe Awesome Kong gets the title and then decides that she doesn't need Brandy to be controlling her, and that sets up their match in the future. And you could even do something like her bringing in a big hitter. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of cool stuff coming out of it. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm kind of excited. What happened for to it. Nyla I, I Rose? Like... So she wrestled on EW Dark. Not it wasn't this week. It was last week, right? But she hasn't been on TV mm-hmm. in a while. Um, I'm assuming that they're going to play out these top angles with the title and then put her back on TV after the pay per view is my guess to, to build her back up as a monster. And maybe that is the monster instead of Aja Kong um, that's going to end up trying to, or having to take out awesome Kong, which will be a pretty fun monster match for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, another match I'm looking forward to doesn't have a lot of heat. Um, in, if you do, probably didn't watch, I wish that they recapped it better. You know, they kind of showed a little video of it, but uh, obviously, if you're watching AEW Dark, you definitely get to see the full breakdown of this. But it's between Joey Janela and Sean Spears. A couple weeks ago on AEW Dark, uh, Joey Janela kind of bumped into Tully Blanchard. Uh, and I don't remember exactly what happened, but he kind of insulted him. So now to get back at him, he was waiting for Joey uh, after his match. And Sean Spears attacked him. And they took out his tongue uh, with uh, pliers and burned his cigarette on his tongue. Or at least that's what they kind of alluded to. Uh, so there was heat when Sean Spears went against uh, Brandon Cutler uh, on Dynamite. Uh, we had Joey Janela running out there after the match and trying to take on Spears. So this should be a good match, man. I, I What I would like from this is for jo- Joey to display more of his in-ring skills. Um, and, you know, he can resort to his own t- his normal tactics, but I think they've been doing a good job of showing, you know, lately that Joey is a good wrestler. Um and I would I would give the win to Sean because I think he's had a couple losses and you know the way his entrance might be long but I really like it I, I like this approach. Me personally, I thought that Sean's biggest advantage as far as a wrestler was connecting with the audience and being a babyface, you know, and getting over his ten thing. So to me, as a heel, he's been interesting, but I want something to happen with him and Tully. So maybe it is good if Sean loses and they have something turned where Tully takes someone else's, you know, uh, enlists himself as someone else's manager, and Sean goes to a babyface direction. Maybe that's too soon. So I think Sean Spears is going to win this, but I just want I want both guys to look good in the ring, and I want Joey to, you know, show off that he is a good wrestler, and, you know, people can fuck off. Just uh, maybe not maybe not make a reference towards Jim Cornette on, uh, on, on film. Um, on this pay-per-view, but who knows? Maybe he will. <laughs> Great Halloween costume. Anyways, Chris, what do you think? I, I I kind of agree with you. I feel like Tully is going to end up somehow screwing Janela over. This is like not a no DQ match, right? From what I've seen thus far, this is just going to be a normal match. Yeah, I think so. I, and, and this kind of falls into the perfect spot where you can do like a brass knuckle spot or a manager spot where that's why Janela loses to set up a, another match. I think it's, it's a little unfortunate because they put Janela against people that, you know, he's almost guaranteed to lose against with Moxley and Omega. Like he's kind of been put in spots to put them over to set up their lights out match. So he's actually caught like a bunch of losses in a row. Um, so this will just be one more. But the thing is, is the crowd is kind of behind him in general. So I don't think it's going to, affect him too much whereas like if Sean Spears takes a clean loss here 
uh, with having a heel manager, it that wouldn't be very good for his character because I don't think the crowd's fully behind him. Um, I know they love Tully, obviously. Uh, so Tully getting some offense here might incidentally help uh, Sean Spears. So I'm assuming that's where they're going to go, and then they're just going to set up. I mean, it would eventually is going to build to a no DQ match where uh, Janela is going to get his hands on Tully and uh, maybe get a win off Sean Spears. I mean, if you're building it, that's the way you would the most logical way to do it. And so far, AEW hasn't defied logic, so I'm assuming that's what they're going to end up doing tonight. Yeah, and also, I mean, there is a possibility, and they can pull this out later on if they wanted, but especially since he's back in the limelight with his new show, with the wrestling fans at least, with his new show with um, Conrad Thompson, I could see Arn Anderson making another appearance. Sean's still winning, but Tully doing some other shit. Arn comes out, you know, takes out Tully, and that garnishes a feud with, you know, Tully backing Sean Spears, I, like I said, I would still give the win to Sean over Joey in this, but just have that interference. And then Arn Anderson presents maybe on Dynamite his guy that he's going to be backing, whoever that may be. May I don't know, maybe it's that Wardlow guy. That's another person I have no idea what's going on with. We've just seen vignettes. But, you know, just basically Arn versus Tully, Sean Spears versus Arn's person. He could not have anything to do with it, but just speculation. Uh, would you like to see Mr. Arn Anderson show up? I know he's going to be there because of uh, the big convention before it would start. I, I feel like he, I feel like he's going to be one of the judges for the main event. He uh, might and be. also like I, and, and I don't necessarily know that I want Arn versus Tully because like you know, the Four Horsemen, man. <laughs> like I need a I need a very hot angle for them to turn against each other. I guess. Um, <laughs> Maybe they both choose one of the, the roads to take under their wing in the future or something. I mean, I would love to see it, but at the same time, it's like, oh, but it's, it's, it's Arn and Tully. I don't want them fighting each other. Uh, I, yeah, I think this I is going to be a, a, a good angle with uh, – just Tully is going to be – such a has been so great as a heel manager, and I, I love that AEW um, dark spot where they – like they held that against Janela for like two weeks and then pull his tongue out and burn him with his own cigarette. Um, I I think that you're a hundred percent on the the nose. They need to show more from AEW Dark when they do a like a hot angle like that uh, on the show because they only gave us like a five second clip to try to explain why Janela was attacking him. They could have just shown that entire thing. I think it was only like thirty seconds long, anyways. It's like you could have trimmed the match or did something, you know. But yeah, I. It would be fun to see Arn. I, I just, I, I'm assuming they're going to do him and Dean Malenko as some of the judges, just based on, you know, what that main event is. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Um, the thing is, dude, I completely agree with you, and it would, you know, add that layer to it. Whoever Arn backs, they ended up screwing him over, and then Arn joins Tully. But it's also like. Arn Anderson's so beloved by people, and Tully's such a good bastard still. You know, it's – it's Arn, Arn, you know, he's it's going to kind of be hard to take him seriously. But if he did that, if they do set something up like that, that would be very drastic, and uh, it, it could help out Sean Spears even more. I just think that eventually the end game is Tully turns on Sean and push Sean as a baby face, which I think he's better um, – Better, more more suited for. But uh, what you were yeah. saying about AEW Dark, I have something to say about that with um, 
the uh, women's match. So I kind of want to make a mental note for that if if I forget, uh, if you remember at least. Uh, any last can, can I give one uh, one toss? Yeah, I was gonna say can I give one toss up scenario? Um, what if instead of Arn and Tully against each other, they do something like, uh, you know, Pack right now? I don't know where he's gonna be on the card. But what if you put together like a really great fucking heel tag team? Like you have Tully and Arn talking and, and Tully kind of is like, what about this guy? And you put those two together as a heel team with Tully as a manager. Um, and then you kind of build from there like another faction. Kind of like the – I like it. I don't want to say four horsemen, but you could do something like that. If you want to put Tully and Arn together, I, I would say like them building like a really, really – like mean ass heel team <laughs> that would be kind of great and then they could destroy people like jungle boy and luchasaurus when they come back and uh you can get some i think you can get some good matches out of them as a tag team i don't know that pack necessarily wants to do that or AEW wants to do that but like that would make the most I love sense that idea. If you're going to do something with with tolly and arn like and and you know the bastard uh pack has been booked so strong that it would make sense that he could kind of be the the headline name there as opposed to Sean Spears. And I think that would actually make Sean Spears more over uh, doing something like that. So if I was going to do something with Tully and Arn, I would come up with some kind of like really fucking devastating heel team. Yeah, I definitely like that idea. Well, since you were just talking about Pac, let's go against, or let's talk about his match against Hangman Adam Page. This is the thing. I feel like this is a hard – the thing that I will say about AEW with their booking, kudos to you guys because all these matches you've set up, even the main event really now because of added stipulations, it's hard to just pick blatantly, you know, who, who wins and who loses. It's not something that – it makes sense because if you look at Hangman Adam Page, you know, the last couple weeks they finally started building him up. But, you know, on AEW Dark and also on Being the Elite, they've shared this dark side to him. So if you make him win, it makes a lot of sense to finally build him up again and push him in that direction. If he loses, it makes sense to what they're building on their other shows of him kind of going in more of a dark nature. And Pac, he's got a very, very good record. I mean, he's got one loss in that tag match because of John Moxley. Other than that, he's got every win. So, yes, you know, it could make sense for him to take a loss and not hurt him too bad. At the same time, you know, they've they've kind of made him this – this perfect heel. So at the end of the day, I'm going to assume that Hangman Adam Page is going to win this. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, doubt if Pac ends up getting the win if they want to approach Adam Page in a darker direction, or if he wins by doing something dark and devious tonight uh, that kind of sets a chain reaction. Uh, what do you think, Chris? I feel like you, you need to give Hangman the win here. Uh, the bastard Pack has gotten a lot of wins on TV and has looked pretty strong. And I think he, what, he's beat Adam Page twice. So I would yeah. I would assume that you need to give him the win uh, coming off that promo. The only thing that it makes me a little confused is that he took the pinfall against Jericho, which I guess Jericho is the champion, so there's that, and there was interference and all that stuff. But it's one of those things where it's like, well, you know, you're building him to a very strong match against the Bastard Pack, and he was the former challenger for the, the title um, so him taking the pin on Dynamite, I think the Dynamite is not necessarily great. Um, I guess that you could do, if they wanted to, they could do another interference spot, have the Bastard Pack win here 
um, and just continuously build to the what we we know is going to happen, which is elite versus inner circle at some point down the road. So I'm going to lean towards them doing that um, and just kind of keeping pack in their back pocket as a very strong contender for whatever they do out of this. Because I mean I know he's like kind of wrestling as a heel, but he hasn't like he hasn't done anything super heelish to be honest. Other I'm than dynamite, just being yeah. a complete. Yeah, as far as he's just, I mean, he's just a complete devastating. I would almost compare him to the way that they would book Chris Benoit, where he's not like being a complete fucking dickhead, but he is trying to destroy people. Like he hit that. Uh, yeah. What is it? What is it called? The um, I can't remember what it's what it's called. His like twist finish at the end off the top, and he didn't get the pinfall, and they just immediately immediately put uh, Beretta into the submission match until he or the submission until he passed out. So if they're just gonna build him as a strong like straight badass, um, you you could do the DQ DQ finish here, set up Adam Page versus Inner Circle with the rest of those guys, um, and just continue to have the bastard do do his thing. Um, so I think maybe that's where they're going to lean with it. But, I mean, like, as far as him being a heel, outside of him, what, I mean, like, he kicked Hangman in the nuts, like, two pay-per-view or a pay-per-view ago. But, like, outside of that, he's not really been a heel. If you go back to, like, the Moxley stuff, he's like, dude, like, we need to win this match, <laughs> which is not very heelish. It's more like he's just a very fierce competitor and wants to win. Yeah, I agree. I think um, the – I, I could. That's why I could see Adam Page kind of dipping into you know this this build up at least on the uh, the YouTube shows of him deciding to go completely heel tonight and then you know just doing something to set him up in that direction if they wanted to go down that route. Uh, Pack, yeah, he's kind of like he reminds me of, like you said, Chris Benoit. Taz is another person uh, that he kind of reminds me of in that he's just a badass and he's gonna fuck someone up. And that's really what he's there for is just to beat, beat people up. Now, obviously a little bit more aerialistic, but you know, I'm not comparing their in-ring styles, just more than personas. And uh, I, I, I like him for that. Uh, you know, his, his mic work is very impressive and I don't think that he gets um, enough uh, praise for that. When he turned off the baby face Neville and went into this direction, he just changed it completely and reinvented himself in the best way. Um, and now he's back. Yeah, I, that's bastard Pat. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I agree 100 percent with that. Like when he became King Neville and then you know left WWE and continued down that path. I guess like him and Austin Aries kind of like took the same route at the, almost at the same time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> funny enough, but like when they went down the uh, when, when he went down this road, I was like, man, they, this guy's like one of the best heels in their company. Because you got to remember that was before Champa really became Ciampa, and I thought he, he was the strongest heel in WWE at that time. Uh, and he's continued that forward, but now he's just like a dominant competitor, which I, I like. I think that that feels a, a, like fills a need in AEW, especially if they're going to do a mid-card title, which it sounds like they're going to be doing. Um, the, the one thing I will say about the Adam Page, it seems like you would do you would pull the trigger on MJF first. So maybe build I would towards the so. inner circle versus inner circle versus the elite, then pull that trigger um, after. And uh, I, I, I like Adam Page as a baby face. I think he's going to get that cowboy shit over, honestly. Especially if Cody loses t-shirts. tonight. Yep, if if Cody loses tonight, you need 
you need a top baby face in the Cowboy shit, I think he can get over if they give him mic time and some good wins. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said beforehand. It seems, it seems to me that um, that Cody sees a lot in Adam that his father saw in both Magnum TA and Barry Windeman, and and that's good if you can approach him in that direction. You just got to have him build himself to be on that level as a babyface because beforehand, I thought he was pretty vanilla. He was pretty just you know one flavor and whatever. Um, I still hate that fucking intro song. It's terrible. Give the guy something new. <laughs> I know, I dude. I know that you're gonna hate me for saying this. I've kind of gotten used to it. I just he's a cowboy and they're playing some cowboy fucking bullshit. You know, Clint Eastwood fucking ripoff stuff. So, I I I I always think of you when it comes on, but I'm like, I guess I'm just fucking used to it. I don't know. Certain certain fucking annoying theme music for anyone can at least work, if you will. Um. But anyways, let's get to this women's championship match because I kind of wanted to talk about what I was saying beforehand. We have the champion, Uriho, going against Amiya Sakura, uh, teacher versus student match. Um, and uh, I, I do think Rio's going to win. I could see a DQ finish with, you know, Brandy coming out with Awesome Kong to make a statement. Um, I definitely could see that. I, I kind of pushed that concept happening, Chris, now that you mentioned that. So, I don't know if you're supposed to do a third option with uh, predictions, but I'm just going to go with that, that this is a good back-and-forth match, but then Awesome Kong and Brandy do something uh, towards the end to make a statement. Maybe Riho gets the win over her teacher, and then that happens anyways after the match. Not 100% sure, uh, but what do you think is going to happen in this match? I'm assuming Rio is going to win – or. Um... Well, she wouldn't technically win, but I'm assuming that she's going to get attacked by Awesome Kong. That's kind of where I'm leaning towards, and I feel like they're going to do a really good match. It's going to come down to the end. Um, obviously, a lot of back and forth. Maybe another one of those pinning scenarios, but Rio gets out of it, and then fucking Kong shows up and destroys both of them. Uh, just because they've been showing those video packages, I could be completely wrong. If that's the case, I feel like you keep the title on Rio. There's no need for her to drop the title yet. So if if no Awesome Kong, I'm, you know Rio ends up winning and maybe a similar pinning scenario from what they did on Dynamite that sets up a uh, another match for Dynamite in the future or the next pay per view. I'm not, I'm assuming they're not going to do this match at the next pay per view, so probably on Dynamite. Um, but it, it just depends on whether they want to debut Awesome Kong um, right here or if they want to save it for TV. That's more of what I'm leaning towards in this match as far as predictions go. All right. Um, yeah, that's exactly what I think. And this is kind of what I was going to go into, Chris. Um, you know, beforehand, my my biggest thing, and I kind of wanted to talk about this last time, but we were, you know, we were trying to finish up the whole entire thing, and I, it just didn't pop in my head. Uh, it goes back to what I said beforehand with AEW Dark and being the elite and a lot of these other YouTube shows that they have. I wish that the Bucks, Cody... Um, Tony Khan would realize that a limited amount of people from their actual product that they're showing this to watch both shows, keep up with their YouTube content. And specifically with Riho and Emi Sakura, a lot of the, 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 uh, the wrestlers that Kenny seems to have brought in, um, we don't even get information on those shows about them. So at the same time that I like Riho, she gets over with the fans, they haven't given me a lot of reasons to like her other than her wrestling, which is great, but 
in, in the world of professional wrestling that only gets you a certain place. I've already talked about in the past who they're choosing, and it makes sense building towards a pay-per-view, but who they're choosing to give packages sometimes to compared to some of the guys that need it to give them more character just in case people don't invest their time watching their YouTube content to not expect that to happen. Remember the whole Joey Janela thing. I wish they showed more of that. If they would have had that segment, it wouldn't have taken up that much from the show. And um, I think that they're, they're not utilizing their main program with their bigger audience uh, to gain ground of letting these characters get blossom. Not some of them, they are doing a great job. Darby Allen, Joey Janela even, but a lot of them, it's, it's like we barely see them. And when we do, there's not a lot to them. So I think that that's something they definitely need to invest in. And when it comes to the women's division, it just seems like the people that Brandy's bringing in, they're doing a good job with. Um, but some of the ones that Kenny is, it seems the opposite. And if you watch dark, they had a great four-way match between Mercedes Martinez, who is a legend uh, within this. Um, we haven't seen Penelope forward in a long time, and she has a shit ton of potential. Uh, I just thought that all four ladies in that match, I forgot the other one. Well, there's Britt Baker, and there was one other one. Um, but all of them just seem to be stars in the making, I would say, in the women's division, and we don't get to see a lot of them. And I wish that they invested – any information about Riho with their other products because she doesn't really have a backstory much to us other than what we see on, uh, you know, on the, on the television with her matches. Uh, do you think that assessment is fair or do you have a different view on that? I, I think it's fair, but it's also, it's one of those things where we're so used to like the WWE mindset of how they build people. You have to think about the fact this company's not been on TV that long. Um, and they have to build every one of these stars, but also build towards a pay-per-view. So I'm going to give them the benefit of a doubt and say, like, if they do an awesome Kong spot, we will get more information on Rio, whether it be like undeniable to or undesirable to undeniable. Um, what I would say is like that that thing they can utilize with uh, Cody way better than they have, and that should definitely be on the main show because that like the MJF uh, promo story that he did and um even like the guy that they have the the wrestling teacher i can't think of his name he has apples on the back of his uh trunks he's been kind of utilized as jobber but even his story or the uh ref story with uh audrey like all that shit's been good and that should probably be on the main show and i think that's how you can kind of tell the story i will say excalibur has done a good job talking about the individual performer uh performers like accolades and putting that over um, I think it would be good if Shivani or Jim Ross did it instead of Excalibur just because of the name recognition as far as a rub goes. But it's it's one of those things where the company is kind of evolving and getting better. Um, and if they're going to, you know, Rio, if, if she's going to stay champion here and they're going to do a, a storyline with her versus Awesome Kong, <clears throat> maybe setting up Nyla. I, now that you pointed out Nyla, I think that's kind of perfect because she did li- lose to Rio. Um Maybe that's where that storyline starts to build. But you are right. They have a, a lot of great female talent and how they build them. But, like, for instance, Jamie Hayter, I thought they did a good job of talking about, um, you know, her accomplishments in the U.K. and stuff on commentary. It's just it's not right there in your face. But when you have, like, a two-hour show, it's a little hard to get everything in. Um, but we'll see, man. Like, I, I, you know, so far they haven't disappointed me with how they're trying to build people. It's just – you're building towards a pay-per-view, so there's only so many fucking things you can get over. 
that yeah, makes sense, that's very true. No, no, it, it, it completely makes sense. I just wish sometimes some of the stuff that they put on Dark, they'd realize it would probably be better for story building on their main product. But like they're like you said, there's only so much time. Um, I just wish, I, I, you know, the biggest thing, Chris, to me, uh, since you want to make a final statement on it, is they have to realize since they're a bigger company and they're they have a bigger audience on TNT specifically, a lot of those people do not watch the other shows on their YouTube stations. So you can't just get characters over on those products because a lot of people are not going to know or, or reference anything, especially if you don't show more of it, specifically with the Joey Janela stuff. Yeah, I agreed with you 100% on that. And I think they can do a better job of showing things from AEW Dark. But the other thing that they could maybe take a feather out of WWE's hat is putting over their social media so that it's like, yeah. hey, you should have seen like being the elite and here's the YouTube link for it or whatever. Like, find a way to get that shit so that people – like, the, the, the Toy Story thing that the Young Bucks did I thought was fucking great, but I don't know that every one of the it. fans that watched Dynamite went and watched that. Yeah, more you advertisement, I mean? even for AEW Dark, would be uh, much much needed. And, yeah, I do agree. That Toy Story thing was great. All right, well, let's get the tag team champion. Not, I mean, real quick, I, it doesn't have to be like an every 10 second thing like Michael Cole does it, but for sure, like, plug your YouTube shit, especially the elite. Yeah, stuff you got and, uh, you got three announcers, that, and, and all of them know how to do that. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely agree uh, 100% with that. All right, so we had the AW Tag Team Championship match. We had SCU versus the Lucha Brothers versus Private Party. Um, this is going to be an interesting match again. I think SGU should retain the belts. They just won them. So my gut is to go with them. And I think that Private Party um, is probably one of those guys probably going to be taking the fall, I would say. Um, I don't know how this works as far as I don't know a three-way tag team, if this is going to be kind of Lucha Rules-esque or if there's going to be more structure to it. and just So it's, it's kind of uh, all over the place when it comes to that. But I'm sure we're going to get a lot of great spots. It's just – I love Private Party. They're great. They're going to turn into something awesome. They're athletic as hell. Uh, but I do think they're green a bit. Uh, so, you know, I season them more. SCU and Lucha Bros, it would make sense for either of them. But I'm going to assume that SCU wins the championships. One thing I don't understand, and, and along with what you think for your match prediction, just a little added note, Chris, if they have a partnership they announce on their TV product with AAA, and you have the mega champion there. You have the tag champions there as well. Why not wear those to the, the ring for more prestige to put them over on that and talk about those things since you actually have an active partnership with the company. It's not like a, a company that someone on a, won a tag team, whatever. It's actually one that you're promoting on your show. always found that kind of strange. But what do you think about this match? And then my comment about, uh, you know, the Lucha Bros coming out with their titles, which is probably not going to happen since they haven't been doing that. I, I think that the match itself has potential to be the best match on the show. Um, maybe not from a storytelling standpoint, because I think Jericho versus Cody is going to be a great long match with some good storytelling, because Cody hasn't shown that he's able to have a bad match now that he's kind of split to AEW. Um, so I'm looking forward to that, but like this has the potential to be that big spot fun in the middle five-star match or whatever. Uh, the one thing I will say, and, and this kind of alludes to what you're saying with the Lucha rules, 
when you're talking about the time limit of the match and, and it's one fall and it's pin submission, like have the ring announcer clearly lay out the rules and then have your commentators clearly lay out the rules so that I'm not confused on what the fuck's going on. Because they've done this, they've done these, and, and one of them was no DQ, one of them was not no DQ. Like the tag scenario is, is still weird with the 10 count thing that they do. Um, just give the fans a reason to know what the rules are. And that will make me enjoy the match more and probably people that, like, watch other sports uh, enjoy the match more because they'll at least know the guidelines that the match is falling under. I don't think it needs to be as convoluted as maybe uh, that weird tag team Hell in the Cell match with Sheamus and, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, with uh, the bar oh, Lord. a while back. <laughs> it doesn't need to get that convoluted, but, like, just give us a general guideline. <laughs> on it and I think this has potential to be a great match. I think Scorpio is gonna come out like a star in this match like he has the past uh, few weeks. I feel like SCU probably retains private party eats the pin. Unless they come out and say it's like an elimination match or something. And that I think that's why the rules are very important on like can a team be eliminated? Like what because they haven't really done a good job. Maybe they have in um on their website or something. I haven't really looked up the match in that far of detail. But um yeah, I just want clear guidelines on the rules, and from there, I'm I'm fine with it. If you're telling me it's a lucha match and these are the lucha rules, then fine, whatever. I don't care at that point. I just don't like piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. <laughs> um, but yeah, as a, uh, what was the other thing you asked? I'm I'm sorry, I I rambled a little See, bit there. The, with their partnership with AAA uh, and and them having, I believe, one of their pay per views, if not, yeah, yeah, one of their last pay per views with the triple A tag team champions being a big thing. And the fact that the Lucha brothers have those championship belts, Kenny is their world heavyweight champion. They promote triple A, but they don't have the guys come out with the belts. I find a bit strange, you know? Yeah, I do as well. And what I will say is it's probably a protection of the titles because those guys aren't going over. Yeah. That could that, be true. That would that be the, sense. that would be the guess. Like, so you don't want your champion necessarily losing on a another TV show. And if you're not doing yeah. a time limit draw, and it's not a title versus title match, and there's not going to be like a rebound match on Triple A or something, that would that would be like how I would think Triple A is thinking about it. Because like you're not going to see Okada show up with the New Japan title and lose to you know Omega or something. Like New Japan would never do that. So I'm assuming Triple H is probably thinking about it in the same way. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if they're going to go over strong against, like, private party, there's no reason why they would shouldn't show up with their titles. Uh, but, like, if it's if, if they're going to end up taking a loss, I could see, hey, we need to protect our brand, protect our titles. So I'm assuming it's just more of that than anything else. Yeah, I just found it interesting. Uh, let's talk about the next uh, tag team match. This is uh, between one that they built to great. Uh, between the Young Bucks and Santana and Ortiz. And, Chris, I mean, both these tag teams in separate organizations have been building themselves up. Uh, I think they're two of the best tag teams. I think that Young Bucks are at a different level to me personally. But still, I think that, you know, what was LAX uh, is – or the second rendition, I should say, of LAX – they're incredible, man. So this should be – this also, you know, has potential, one of the other tag team matches, to steal the show, really. 
Uh, it's a grudge match. They built well towards it. It's it's the two factions they've they've made uh, going head to head with their their top uh, tag teams, and they're both great at storytelling, doing ridic- ridiculous aerial mo- maneuvering. You know, these guys just know what they're doing, and um, I'm gonna put over the Young Bucks. I just think it makes sense. At the same time, you know, to to get uh, lost on their first match with Santana Ortiz might not be the best idea, but you know, the Young Bucks have been taking quite a few hits as of lately, so you would think that getting a win over these guys who are starting off fresh is not going to hurt them too bad. So that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going with the Young Bucks. Who do you think is going to win this match, and what do you think about it? I kind of feel like the Young Bucks have to win here, just because they are setting up the inner circle thing. Um, And if if... For whatever reason, I'm leaning towards Jericho in, in the main event. So you need them, to, you know, you need the elite to have a strong win. So maybe that's where this comes uh, comes from. But I think this is going to be one hell of a match, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how these guys work together. I mean, I know they've worked together in the past, but I want to see what kind of style they go for because you're going to have the big spot three-way tag match. Um I would love to see them almost work it like the Golden Lovers match that the Young Bucks had with a lot of selling, almost like an old-school Rock and Roll ex- uh, Express match or Midnight Express match. Um, that's, I think that's more of the interesting thing. Is if, if, if I would love to see the Young Bucks do a lot of selling in this match, and I think that could like easily make this a, one of the – if not the best match of the night, one of the best matches, which there's a lot on this card that I think is really, really good. But if they just go out and they do a bunch of spots um, in the C Young Bucks match, I'm sure it'll be great, but I don't know I will care about it as much. But like if you go back to like their match with the Golden Lovers and they do something like that with LAX, I think it'd be, it could be awesome. But I think the Young Bucks have to pick up the win um, just because I don't think the main event is going to be Cody getting the title necessarily. Yeah, that's a good point, man. Yeah, but we'll get to that. We have one more match before that, and this is the unsanctioned lights out match between John Moxley and Kenny Omega. Something that's been building for a while. Uh, added detail that happened organically due to you know issues. Staff infection came up, or kept Moxley out of his match. They had to replace him uh, with Pack to go against Kenny Omega. Uh, so Kenny really, that's another thing, man. Kenny has been building himself as this egotistical but still kind of baby face with a lot of his vignettes um, that have been displayed on Dark, on Countdown, on a lot of these shows. Um, and I like the direction they're taking him to. He's egotistical. He still likes his fans. He still wants to be the best bout machine for them. But when it comes to Moxley, it seems like he doesn't respect him. Uh, you know, he calls him out and saying that all he can do, you know, like, how are you going to beat me uh, when, it, when it comes to, you don't, all you have is your heart's uh, core tactics, kind of pigeonholing someone that all around John Moxley has turned into a damn good wrestler, all of his work over in New Japan, you know, with the G1 tournament and just being there and, and trying to change up and put himself in situations that he wasn't comfortable with wrestling wise uh, has really built him in the last year. So this match has been building. It's, it's, it might also be another match that steals the show. I, I don't know, but the unsanctioned thing is very interesting with the whole win-loss record. This is not going to hurt either one of them technically. 
Kenny really needs this win, but his dissension also makes a lot of sense as well. Uh, you know, he's getting he's getting cocky from his last couple wins, but before that, he hasn't had the best track record, so that's still there. Uh, but John Moxley obviously this doesn't help him at all either with his win loss record, which was a big deal to him. But uh, John Moxley, at the same time, if he loses. I just don't know if that's a smart idea. So I'm I'm going to inevitably go with John Moxley on this, but this should be a fun match. Does, does unsanctioned Chris mean that it's it's no DQ that it can just get as crazy as possible? And that's how they've been treating it. Um, they I mean I think they've called it different things. Lights out I think just means that there's no yeah essentially no rules and it's a pinfall or submission win. Um, yeah I. I the biggest thing here is going to be interesting how they utilize these barbed wire weapons they've been teasing for weeks um, and whether or not anyone decides to get color. <laughs> That's the thing that, like, I, you know, because when you start throwing barbed wire into a match, you just assume it's going to be a barbaric thing. Um, even if you look at, like, something like Cactus Jack and Triple H, which was, which was crazy, but it's not like CZW level of crazy. I think this match does have potential. I just out of what I've seen with Moxley and uh, Omega thus far with them working together, I don't know that this is going to be one of Kenny's like G1 level matches, uh, especially if it's going to be more of a brawl. I do like the fact that, that um, Moxley has talked specifically about like wins and losses do matter to him, even though, they didn't really book that very well when he left the bastard in the middle of the ring the other day, but uh, it's going to be interesting. I kind of lean towards your prediction, which is that Moxley needs the win, especially if you're going to try to build around them. I think he is one of their bigger stars. I kind of wasn't hard set on them doing Moxley versus Omega right off the bat because they kind of hit the same audience and the same fans in a different way. So it's uh, this will get a little bit of a weird match. I don't I don't know how you I, I if you're going to if if Omega is literally turning heel like he's teased for so long then it would make sense for him to take a loss here uh, and then it also sets up the inner circle versus uh, maybe not him joining the inner circle but it does set up inner circle versus um, the elite because Dustin is going to come back in the fold with a broken hand and it's going to be a four v four match. So maybe that's how you get Omega out of it. Maybe I'm overthinking it a bit, but if you're looking down the road, they could do something like that for sure. Very, very interesting. And one thing I'd like to see um, shown off in this match that Kenny can go to that hardcore level, you know, can do some crazy stuff that John Moxley's kind of doubting him on, and that in the reverse, John Moxley can bring it to Kenny and show off his wrestling skills. I think that's kind of an important dynamic to show off within the storytelling of the match. But it should be awesome, man. And I'm looking forward to it. Let's get to this championship match. All right. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this match. Chris Jericho, the AEW World Heavyweight Champion, is going against Cody. In a 60-minute match, that's the uh, the time limit on it. Uh, if it goes, if it uh, there's no draw, at least they have three judges that will be judging uh, based on that. And, you know, a lot of people are doubting that outcome, but I have no idea now. There are so many possible outcomes within this match uh, that they have thrown off my scent, if you will. 
Um, but the way they built this, it should be great. Both these guys are great storytellers. Uh, Chris Jericho's getting old. Obviously, he was a hell of a lot more agile, you know, at one point in his career compared to this, but he's still able to give a great performance, and his brawling has been awesome. I think this is going to be very old-school-like, uh, you know, much like what Cody's been doing. And Cody's great. Uh, you know, he's he, he's going to hit a lot of his spots, but he's going to work the audience because Cody is just – the people that influenced him, the in-ring entertainer aspect of it, you know, and what I mean by that as an in-ring performer is the side of you that's able to get the crowd in the palm of your hands. The people that – he loves within the wrestling industry, you know, obviously his father would be one of those people, but you know, people that were able to control the crowd in the eighties are people that he looks up to with Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair and sting, you know, it's, it's going to be very interesting with this match. And I think that they could have a great match. I don't think it goes to 60 minutes. I think that that's ridiculous to expect, especially Jericho to do that, but who knows? Maybe Jericho's (laughs) like, I can I can do one more 60-minute match in my career, and then I don't have to fucking worry about it again. I just – if Cody loses – and it kind of like Matt Morgan brought this up on uh, one of the, the podcasts I was listening to with uh, Wrestling Inc. Did Cody say, if I lose or if, or if I – like, how did he phrase it? Because if they do have some sort of interference, whatever that would be, does that cause a difference in eventually down the road Cody – either saying that or the person that has the belt telling Cody that you shouldn't even hold that against you. You know, you didn't lose that match. You know, it was, it was taken from you. Could they set that up potentially? Cause it makes sense for Cody to lose, but to say that Cody, the biggest baby face in the company, regardless if he's the head booker, you know, regardless of that will never win the fucking title and the duration and the history of AEW is pretty fucking ridiculous. Could we have possibly MJF coming out here and even though it's very, very set up, I think, like you said, Chris, as a WWE audience, we're used to saying, oh, that's too obvious, that's too on the nose. But it seems like AEW's been doing that a lot lately. So maybe MJF does come up, fuck over Cody, join uh, the inner circle, or maybe just does it by himself, and that's what causes this. It would make a lot of sense. Cody then goes in a program with MJF. They go forward, and he's out of the title picture. Jericho doesn't lose a belt after, you know, just winning and retaining it. Um, it, it I, I don't know what the dynamic is. What, if it goes down to a draw, like what happens with the with the judges also too, you know, what if that actually happens, goes down to 60 minutes. There's a lot of different aspects to this. I think at the end of the day, Chris Jericho is going to win this match. But I have no idea how they get out of that stipulation with Cody never trying to go for the championship at all when he is obviously, arguably, the biggest baby face. I said obviously, arguably. Whatever way you want to take it. Chris, what do you think is going to happen with this match? I I love that he threw that line out there um, for multiple reasons. If you go back to, you know, loser leaves town back in the territory days, you can look at someone like Jerry Lawler, who lost and left the territory. And the territory kind of almost died in Memphis. And I I think Jim Valley talked about this recently. Um, and what they did was, you know, Jerry Jarrett's son at the time, Jeff Jarrett, who was like, I don't know, like 17 or 18, very, very young, got his ass whipped by these heels like six months later. So they had to bring Jerry Lawler back to take on the big baddies, essentially. There's multiple ways you can do this. I think one of the coolest ways they could do this that the fans would really appreciate is that Dustin finally gets a heavyweight title 
and challenges his brother because he feels like Cody is the best. Especially with the way they've built it with the inner circle and how they've been specifically attacking Dustin. And you could build that storyline of like, you know, old dog versus old dog with Jericho and uh, Dustin. And Dustin is actually the first roads to win the title. And that sets up a match with Cody. If I was booking it, that's where I would lean toward the brother versus brother match. Not necessarily with the either of them being heel, just out of respect for each other. Dustin's like, I know you said you'd never challenged for this before, but I beat this guy, I beat this guy, and the only person I haven't beat is you, and I have something to prove kind of thing. Um, and you deserve this title shot because you gave me this opportunity in this company. That is how I would book it because I think those promos would be fucking amazing. And it would also be something that's out of the norm for modern wrestlers. Uh, the other way you go is, like you said, MJF turns heel. Um, Cody gets screwed. That's the program. But you still have to set up some reason why Cody gets back to the title. And that reason could be something like Kenny Omega. Uh, so you could do something like that, too. Uh, you, you know, he beats MJF. And then uh, Kenny wins, and Kenny just starts taking out members of the elite the point where it becomes uncomfortable or maybe even he does something like attacks Tony Khan for instance and then Khan's like Cody I need you or something like there's multiple ways to build this and I think that's what makes this great because you could look at the outcome you could you could just put the code the title on Cody right now that's the other side of this <laughs> this is the first match in a long time I've looked at and I was like there's so many ways you can come out of this and like it'd be awesome it's not like they're fucked either way. It's not like, a, you know, the opposite of Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt, that Hell in the Cell match, where there was only one way out of it. Because if Cody wins, like, and they chose no the one going to be upset about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it went completely the wrong way because they didn't actually even give us a finish. Um, they put the judges there because there is a time limit on this match because they're going to use that in the future. But yeah, Jericho going 60 minutes in this match, unless he's drinking MJ stuff. You remember in uh, Space Jam where they all drink MJ stuff? That'd be like Jericho <laughs> drinking Okada stuff. <laughs> he's got like Okada's water bottle. <laughs> he's got this <laughs> ancient essence. He's got this ancient essence of Ric Flair that he's kept in the ball that someone sold him. That's like just aged <laughs> since the 80s. He's gonna drink real quick before it. Because uh, I, I mean. I mean, there's nothing against Jericho, and like I just, he works a slower brawly style. This is a clearly just, a, it's a regular ass wrestling match. So, them both. Well, that's another thing. I just don't see that being a thing. With, Jer- With Jericho, you know, you got to realize too, he's won the championship first. He's retained the title. Maybe he doesn't give a fuck if he has a title. Maybe he's just gonna give it to Cody. And, you know, everyone's going to get over the fact that Cody's a booker because everyone loves Cody, so I don't think he's going to get any heat for that. You know, how do you not push yourself if you're one of the biggest names in the company? I mean, it's, it really comes down to that. And Jericho doesn't seem like he's selfish, like he gives a fuck. I mean, he's had a championship. Jericho is constantly on tour, uh, on and off with Fozzie, you know, and also he's going to be going to Japan at least to make some appearances and build up for his match in uh, January for, for Wrestle Kingdom against Tanahashi. So I'm just saying there is a good possibility these guys have a pretty long match and Chris Jericho loses. So that's even there as yeah. well. 
I could say that. I will say the one advantage that he has in AEW is that they only work once a week. Yeah. So, I mean, he could technically hold this thing as long as he fucking wanted to. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not keen on him losing the title so soon. That's my biggest yeah. thing. Um, just for prestige of the title. You know I hate, like, hot-shotting titles in general. That's why the New Japan title is so special. Because someone like yes. Okada can hold it for 700 days and have legitimately good matches um, regardless. And, like, right now the fans are super, uh, you know, Jericho is doing a good job of getting the fans in the in the audience to boo him, but he's like super fucking over <laughs> in a weird way. Um, I, I I don't know. I mean, I think he is their kind of mega star, and Cody is becoming that guy. But I think the fans are going to want it so much more if Cody loses and can't challenge for the title, and then they build a great storyline where maybe Dustin wins the title. I I think there's so many. Cool I love that idea. And it's such an old school i like ideal I, idea as far as because I mean it is basically just loser leaves town without him actually leaving the town and they're doing it in NWA with Tim Storm too so this is like almost a copycat of that storyline in a way but you can still get that person can still be your top baby face but not be able to challenge with the title especially with the fact that the elite is going against the inner circle so I I. I'm just leaning hard towards Jericho is going to retain here. And then, you know, maybe maybe it's Hangman that challenges. I mean, you could you don't necessarily have to do Dustin. You could do Hangman. Um, you just sub in anyone that wants to challenge Cody because they feel like, hey, we're friends. But, we, it, you know, babyface versus babyface match. It's not always the worst. It's not necessarily a great idea, but it can work if, if both people are beloved especially with someone like Cody, who's shown since going to AEW, it, it, and mind-blowing. Once again, I should apologize to Cody Rhodes because, like, when he was in New Japan, I did not think that he was that great, <laughs> especially if you go back and look to some of these retro episodes we have. But uh, he has proven me wrong. So, I I mean, just out of this match in itself is just so exciting to talk about and all the different possibilities that go with it, and none of them suck. That's the best part. <laughs> Like, no matter what they do, it's not going to suck. Like, even if they put the title on Cody, it's like, okay, well, Jericho lost the title, but he's still got the inner circle, and there's going to be, you know, a rematch, and maybe he'll get it back, and there's a lot of fun shit you can do. So it's 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 great. I don't know how they could have booked this any more perfect, to be completely honest. I don't know either, man. It's very old school. And with that transition, let's get into our review of something pretty damn old school. Uh, well, just the, basically the highlights. Uh, the one thing I love about NWA Power, it's a lot of promos and it's a lot of, uh, you know, matches that are shorter. I can't wait for the first pay-per-view. You know, it's it's a little bit away, but I think that they're doing a great job building their product. Uh, Edge had was gushing over NWA Power uh, with a tweet recently, putting over it, much like The Rock and many other ex-wrestlers and people that have worked in the wrestling industry, just basically saying that he loves nostalgia, that that was the stuff that he watched when he was a kid, and how he just really enjoys that product. And one of the things he said, and you know, I'm sure a lot of people were butthurt by, was there's there's no dives so far, which, you know, I, I, I can agree to an extent. I think that a dive is something that's awesome when used, but if you look at the cruiserweight division, even in Nitro era, 
They didn't overuse it. It was a big, big spot within the match. Watch Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero, for instance. You know, springboards are a little bit different, but the fact that they don't have to utilize that and overdo it and kind of just make it redundant, they're just much more wrestling-based, and that's why I really enjoy NWA Power. Uh, one thing tonight, I don't know, I'm a little bit iffy on the winner of the the, uh, the national championship, Chris, but I guess let's just go right into that. The biggest item of news Last week we had a match that would determine if Colcabana got to challenge Tim Storm, who took his championship, or from what he says, the uh, NWA National Championship, and ended up winning against Tim Storm, who was, you know, it's it seems like I I, I want to say he shook his hand afterwards uh, and was pretty gentlemanly about it, um, but very strange. I I, I think that. It would make sense since they kind of have a um, – I forgot what the thing is for the X Division, what's the ruling, but you get a title shot or you're, you're the next in line or one of the better people to get towards that title shot within the NWA if you're the national champion. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's a strange concept. I just don't know how I feel about Colt Cabana being in that position, basically. I like Tim Storm as a champion. And I like that they were positioning Tim Storm to go against Nick Aldis for the NWA championship. But they threw a wrench in it. What do you think about Colt Cabana winning this title against Tim Storm? And what will happen to Tim Storm after this, Chris? I actually didn't have a problem with it. And the reason why is they had Camille be the reason that he lost. So Eli Drake is kind of the reason he lost, if you think about it. Is it Camille? His manager, um, Nick Aldis, is manager. Not Eli Drake. Uh, sorry, uh, Nick Aldis. Sorry, that's his manager, right? Yep. So I think the that's storytelling of that match is that he cost him the title, so that sets up James Storm versus Nick Aldis, which I think is a better match in general. And Colt having the title, this mid-title, doesn't necessarily hurt anything. Um, maybe you build something with Anderson or Eli Drake. and they, I mean, they have some good mid-card there that they can do stuff with. But, I, I, you know, their big money match is definitely James Storm versus Nick Aldis, and they've been building to it for a while. The whole reason he put the title shot up is because he wanted to become the champion. So now he has a legitimate reason to be like, hey, I deserve a shot because of this. Um, I think it was very subtle, and they didn't do a good enough job putting it over on commentary, which is surprising because Cornette was there. And maybe they'll do that next week or the next show. Well, actually, I think they have a pay-per-view, right? Or is there one show in between there? Uh, I think the pay-per-view is not until the beginning of December, so we actually have a little bit of time. Yeah, so I feel like they're going to build on that storyline, and we're probably going to get James Storm versus Nick Aldis, um, which I'm fine with. Because, you know, I, Colt will probably hold that title, and maybe you see a turn of uh, Anderson, who's his, kind of his tag partner. Hasn't that, that's been kind of what they've built him as. Yep. Um, but the distraction, it, it points to we're setting it up for it to be James Storm versus Nick Aldis, which I think will be a really fun match. So I don't have a problem with him losing. And also, he didn't pitch a fit, he didn't attack Colt Cabana. He was kind of pissed that he was distracted. I think he even yelled, I was distracted, like at the end of the match. So it's a good old-school build build to something that could be great. Uh, Cole Cabana, I think, is a former NWA heavyweight champion. So, like, as far as title lineage goes, I don't, you know, I don't have a huge problem with it at all. Yeah, 
That's a that's a good point. Um, how are you liking uh, Eddie, basically the way that they're building uh, Eddie Kingston and Homicide? So the Dawsons are claiming basically they're they're the best tag team. Uh, they go against uh, some loser, you know, uh, team in a squash match. They beat him. Then they get called out by Eddie Kingston Homicide, and they won't take him on right on the spot. We had the ending, which was really cool, happen, or what we thought was the ending, and then these guys accepted the tag match and went against Eddie uh, Kingston Homicide just to lose to them. Uh, they announced that the, the Kingston Homicide are, are called Outlaw Inc., and uh, I'm, you know, they look like they're going to be projected very soon in the future as the top uh, tag team, and within this, we saw, I believe, this is where the Rock and Roll Express came out. Is that correct, Chris? Yes. That, yeah. The, the Rock and Roll Express yeah. came out uh, and and helped, uh, you know, the make sure the heels were not screwing around, basically. Uh, so what do you think about the Rock and Roll Express being involved and the fact that Kingston Homicide went over the Dawsons, how they're building it? I mean, it's a, great, it's a great moment to see the Rock and Roll Express involved in anything in NWA. Um, so I didn't have a huge problem with it. Uh, I think the Dolphins suck. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, I don't think that's a tag team to necessarily build around. Um, I, I think Eddie Kingston's great on the mic, but like them as a tag team hasn't necessarily clicked with me. Uh, it's really hard when AEW's done some really, I mean, outside of the weird tag rules, their tag has been, their tag matches have been really good. And you look at NXT and some of their tag matches have been really great. Um, it's just weird to watch this old school tag. And maybe that's more, more on me than anything else, but like the dolphins, I just don't like, I don't see it at all with that tag team. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with, with Kingston. Um, in that tag division, but we kind of already have some spoilers for that, which we I, I don't want to throw that out on the air. So, yeah, I'm very curious to see what happens going forward, and it was great seeing, uh, you know, Rock and Roll Express there. The older, the, the, the Young Bucks' daddies, basically, <laughs> showing up <laughs> on NWA. It's pretty fun. They even have the balding one, <laughs> as my wife calls, uh, lovingly calls Matt. <laughs> The Ricky Morton than the Matt, or not the Ricky Morton, the the Robert Gibson than the Matt Jackson. That's funny. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, yeah, and and uh, it, I just love that the Rock and Roll Express are so relevant with modern wrestling that they were able to make NWA and also AEW previously the week before, even if they got beaten down. You know those guys. I mean, it's cr- it's fucking crazy to think that they like less than a year and a half ago they had like a ladder. Well, when the Hardys came back to WrestleMania. Right before they had a ladder match for the titles with the Hardys, like, I, know. I just saw Ricky hit a Canadian destroyer the other day and was like, "The fuck is going on <laughs> with my life?" It's fucking crazy, man. Uh, age doesn't really defy their abilities at all. They they both look like old men, but they look like badasses. You know, uh, another another thing that happened on the show that I wanted to talk about was uh, Tim Storm. Uh, Tim Storm. Had an interview. Uh, I, I'm not going to say that they're making him like he's feeling sorry for himself, but he's just realizing his age. He's realizing his limitations. He just gave out his option to be able to go against, you know, anyone, just like we were talking about with Cody with the AEW championship. He lost to Nick Aldis for his rematch. He can't go for the championship anymore. And out of, no, uh, out of all the people, Nick Aldis came out and kind of just told him, like, 
you know, you're still in this, you still got this, we still need you, you know, kind of just building them up. Where are they going with this storyline, do you think, Chris? I think they're going with Nick Aldis being a super heel when they when they finish off this manager storyline, uh, which they pump. I, they're just doing a really good slow build on it, but Nick Aldis is, is basically, I, I'm assuming they're going to make him into a scumbag. Uh, and then they're going to have to call Tim Storm and Mama Storm to come take care of business. You know, and that, that, uh, that's but, the thing is, like, I feel like they're swerving us a bit with making us think that Eli Drake is slowly going to become a heel and him kind of being a guy that's calling out Nick Aldis and them having that altercation. But also it would make a lot of sense with Nick Aldis if he becomes a heel and Eli Drake is that cocky, arrogant babyface to eventually take him down. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing that says that Nick Aldis is a babyface other than he's Nick Aldis. Yeah, I mean, he has a manager that kind of gets in the way of his matches. He sent him out to – he sent his manager out to distract James Storm to help Colt Cabana, his friend, win. It's just not the heelish shit we're used to, but it is still – if you look at it at a, a base level, you're like, that guy's kind of a fucking asshole. He won't let her talk. He's sending his manager out to help his friend win. <laughs> you know, he doesn't really want to defend his title against James Storm to begin with, which is what set up that match. Um, and yes, he's talking to Tim Storm, but maybe it's a front. Uh, I, I actually think it's kind of great in a way because it does make you think about it, but I, I do feel like Nick Aldis is going to come out as like a complete scumbag and maybe like Macho Man, the way Macho Man would treat Elizabeth in a way, but not obviously they can't go as exaggerated as they did in the eighties in modern society. But I feel like that's kind of what they're going for. Um, and you know, that's, that's up James storm, maybe storm loses. And then, you know, Tim gets his match down the line. Uh, however they build that up, but either way, I think the storyline is kind of great and very interesting to think about is, is this like a deep level of old school wrestling. Yeah, and I'm also loving what they're kind of setting up in the women's division. Um, with Thunder Rosa, uh, which I really like Thunder Rosa. I didn't, I don't remember her being displayed, though, as a, as a heel necessarily uh, in past promotions, but uh, that's kind of the direction they're putting her in because she's kind of causing some, some dissension within the ranks, if you will. Uh, after she beat uh, Ashley Vox, there's this situation where she was trying to pit Marty Bell against her friend, champion, Allison Kay. Um, and uh, she turned on her. And uh, it seemed like what she was trying to get accomplished, she did. This seems like it's eventually going to be Thunder Rosa and also, uh, whatchamacallit, Allison Kay for the championship belt, I'm assuming at the next pay-per-view. We'll see what happens within this. But I like Thunder Rosa. I think she's awesome. I found out that on the indies, uh, she had a – fucking match not too long ago with Rosemary, but you can't find video footage of it, which sucks. I would like to see uh, both ladies going at it with their, their mystic, you know, uh, face paint always gets to me. I don't know why. It's a gimmick I like. I have no clue or reason. I guess it's colorful or some shit. Either way, Thunder Rosa uh, kind of positioning herself to go against Allison K. How do you like this development within their storyline? It's, it's a little cheesy with the drums. And what I'm assuming they're trying to do is mind control. I don't know if you've noticed that, but like two weeks in a row, they've done these drums whenever these segments happen. 
Oh, um, no, I didn't. So I think they're trying to make her a mystical character, which I'm fine with. I mean, it is what it is. But, like, if you go back and watch that match uh, where Marty it, – it's Marty Bell, right? Did I pronounce it right? I think so. Okay, so when she makes that heel turn and attacks her friend, um, you can hear those drums overloaded on top of everything. It's like – and they don't do it the rest of the show. So I'm assuming that they're attempting to make their Rosa like a mystical character, which I'm fine with, it, but it, it is like it's like WWE – like WWF, I should say, Papa Shango level of cheese. <laughs> if that's yep. what they're going for, I'm fine with it because uh, I think we'll get a good match out of it. Um, and I've liked Thunder Rosa so far. I think she's got a cool look, and she's done some pretty good stuff in the ring thus far. So I'm looking forward to seeing in the match itself. But <laughs> like, if that's going to be the gimmick, is that she can use mind control? I don't. <laughs> that that might be where they have kind of jumped the shark a little bit if they're going late late 80s, early 90s. <laughs> as opposed to NWA wrestling. All right, and pretty much the last big item from the show uh, within the storyline they're building is uh, they're they're taking Aaron Stevens, a.k.a. Um, oh, man, I can't remember his name over uh, – Damian Sandow, uh, and putting him on a losing streak. He even lost a two out of three uh, with um, – with, uh, oh, man, I can't remember his name uh, – Eddie Starks. Um and uh, or Ricky Starks, I should say, yeah. And um, I guess they're just trying to build him as that 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 kind of pathetic heel, but eventually he'll kind of just use tactics to screw over Starks or whoever he goes against in the future. But uh, I mean, it's interesting. Like I said, he reminds me of Lanny Poffo, the genius, and I didn't really know a lot about Damian Sandow, so it seems like that was a similar thing to begin with. But I like this whole actor thing. I like the crowd work of him saying no and them saying yes. It's kind of like a play on Daniel Bryan, but completely flipped. So uh, I like Ricky Starks, too, in the ring. I think they're doing a good job with him. I actually met him in person at oh, a long time ago. at one of the, Oh, the show that, uh, the, that the Lucha Brothers got asked by the Young Bucks to join AEW uh, over in Atlanta. So I didn't even know who the hell he was. I just knew he was hanging out with a couple other uh, wrestlers. Um, oh, man, Ethan... Um, uh, all ego, Ethan Page, a couple other people, but we were just talking about some stuff, and then I found out he was a wrestler. So I find that really cool. But, uh, yeah, that's because I'm a mark. Anyways, Chris, what do you think about what they're doing with both Aaron Stevens and Ricky Starks? So I don't necessarily know that I get Ricky Starks' character, but I do like the storyline of Damian Sandow losing a lot. And it's not like – it is an homage to Daniel Bryan because you have to remember that Daniel Bryan was a heel when he got beat by Sheamus with AJ Lee, and his gimmick was just yelling no at the crowd going yes. So it's like almost a direct copy, but I don't have a problem with it because of the way Damian Sandow does it. I like the actor you-can't-look-at-me-in-the-eye um, gimmick. What He's really good in the ring. He's probably one of their better in-ring performers, honestly as far as knowing how to work the crowd. And I mean, some of that just comes from being in WWE. Uh, There's a thing about knowing how to look at the camera, knowing how to work um, those style of matches and like, you know, an NWA match. That's like for a WWE, someone that's been in WWE, that's a little easier to work. Um, It's, 
I I want to see him go on a losing streak, become a baby face, and do something really awesome. Uh, because I I feel like they can utilize him more than just being an annoying heel. Especially because I felt like WWE could have utilized him way better than they did when he first came out came out as Damian Sandow. So I hope they lean more into the most intelligent man character with him going on a big losing streak, and then inevitably the crowd is going to get behind him because I just feel like he's going to get himself over. And kind of already has with the no thing. Uh, minus that one little kid from like two weeks in a row that was yelling in the front row, which was hilarious, by the way. I loved that. Uh, he's like, this is ridiculous. He's, and the, you just hear this little kid yell, you're ridiculous, like during the live promo or whatever in the taping. <laughs> <which was amazing. laughs> like, I don't know whoever the little kid with a green John Cena shirt on is, but that was like me as a kid. So, <laughs> like, you can't actually call oh, yeah. them any bad words, so you just yell things that they say. He's like, Ken Anderson's dumb. And the kid's like, you're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Which I love. It's awesome. But well, uh, you know, people people don't realize with NWA, you gotta if you go back and watch them while they're promos, some of these guys that were so vilely hated, like, you know, Ric Flair for Christ's sakes at, at certain points, or I guess, you know, Tully Blanchard would be a better example because I don't think anyone really was liking him, you know. Uh but the audience was fucking vicious. Like they're talking the whole they're trying to fuck him up throughout their thing. So you know, that part of me that always bitches about the crowd nowadays and still I think they're trying to put themselves over to an extent because they're not – it's not because they, they dislike the individual. I mean, that happens, and it was – it's really impressive to see someone go through their, their, their promo while getting caught off, you know, immediately with a bunch of people because they don't like them. Yeah, I kind of was a little sad that he didn't go to that kid and say, you're ridiculous, like <laughs> – during the match, because like that would have made that kid that would have been hilarious forever. Like that's one of those things. Like when I was a kid, Sting gave me a high five at a <laughs> Gainesville Civic Center Sunday night. Uh, what is it? Whatever their Sunday night show was called on WCW, and I always remember it as being like the greatest thing of all time. <laughs> Just uh, something like a high five. So it would have been really cool to see him like cut a heel like a heel move on this little kid. Maybe they'll incorporate that because I'm sure that little kid will be back in the front row at some point. But I loved it, man. It just has such a nostalgic feel for me, specifically growing up watching this style of televised wrestling with uh, WCW Sunday night and um, early NWA stuff with my my grandpa and everything about the show I adore so much. But, yeah, Damian Sandow, I think they could build him into a big star. Uh, for at least for their company, um, I'm surprised that he didn't land somewhere else because he's he is a really really good promo and he's pretty fucking good in the ring. He's got the size, so maybe it's just like he doesn't want to do a full touring date schedule. But I am surprised he's never showed up on Impact. If I'm being completely honest, or Ring of Honor in a, a heavy used sense because they're both pre-taped as well. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Uh, it's good that he's popped back up, though. I, I will say that. Um, and I think he's a good good addition to an already an awesome lineup on NWA Power. I'd like to see more from Mr. Kennedy in the future. I hope they start building up uh, from there. But um, 
let's let's start talking about some SmackDown guys. Uh, guys, as in me and you, but I guess the audience as well. Anyone listening live? Uh, SmackDown was on last night on Friday, like normal, pre-recorded over in the UK. Um, I I have the matches laid out from a person that obviously was at least talking about the UK show. I know that stuff is going to be out of order from what we saw since it was pre-recorded. As far as the show goes, I thought it was it was good. It was a it was a standard show, nothing too crazy. I kind of want um, I'm looking forward to Monday Night Raw because I do know details of that show. Well, one segment I'm not looking forward to, but some of the other matches at least that are on the card I am looking forward to. So we'll have to wait for that. But either way, let's get into this. And probably one of the worst things about the show, I would say, and not because of Baron Corbin, I don't think, but because of the fucking terrible whatever the hell that he was laying down. But uh, Baron Corbin came down. King King Baron Corbin, King Corbin, came out and was accusing Reigns of having marble-sized testicles. Uh, they actually took the – and i I got to be honest with you. I never fucking noticed the damn dog in the background to begin with because I'm not paying attention that much in the entrance. So – Part of me was like, what the hell is this? And then I realized later on, oh, it's from his intro video. Gotcha. But the dog image from that said intro video was barking very high-pitched. Uh, this is this is just stupid to do to Baron Corbin. He's a lot better than that. He's good at getting the audience to dislike him, but when you give him shit like this, I don't think it really helps. And later on, Chad Gable whispered to Roman Reigns <laughs> details and told on him, so now Shorty G is a tattletale and is going to go in timeout because he's Shorty G. Uh, I'm just kidding, but that's how I feel like Vince looks at him, like he's a child or some shit. Anyways, whatever. Um, I don't think the match at the end was bad at all, but I just thought the setup was was the drizzling shits. And whatever material Vince and the, the writers came up with just sucked. And... Uh, yeah, made Baron Corbin look like an idiot in merry old England. What do you think about the intro? Corbin is a former NFL player, amateur, Golden Gloves boxer, right? Yeah, I think so. Why? <laughs> the, 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 like, he doesn't need to talk. Just book him like Switchblade in, in New Japan. I don't understand how they fucked this guy up. I'm kind of done talking about him because every time I think he gets a little bit of momentum, they do some dumb shit like this, and I'm like, fuck, come on. This guy would be a superstar in any other company. Like, <laughs> Sorry, I can't even talk about this one right now. I thought the match itself was fine, but I think most Corbin matches are fine. I mean, they make him do yeah, a lot of boring, like, like he he does a lot of rest holds and stuff, but I, they don't actually let him work to what he was able to do when he was in NXT. Like if you go back and watch his NXT matches, they're pretty fucking good. I think he's very athletic, and I think if he was somewhere like Ring of Honor or New Japan, he'd be doing a lot more shit. Um, the guy's obviously athletic when you were you played for the Kansas City Chiefs and was a former Golden Gloves boxer. It's not like the guy can't do what they're asking him to do. It's just I, I have no idea. It's like he he is a shittier version than like corporate Kane, because like normal Kane's fucking awesome. But oh <laughs> god, I, it's just like man, like you gave the guy the like they should have. It doesn't matter. 
I, I was about to yell about King of the Ring again. It was fine to give him the King gimmick, but he doesn't need it. He's already hated. Like, it would have been better if they would have called Chad Gable Chad Gable and had him win. And then maybe have Corbin destroy him or whatever and build that guy. But, like, fuck, they just make you want to hate Corbin. They never and, – and not in a good way. Not in a good way of, like, that dude did a dastardly deed, and that's why I hate him. They make you want to hate him as a person. <laughs> it just getting that, like, getting that Getting that heat heat, but not in the good heat, you know, that blue yeah, heat. Yeah, the fucking X-Pac go-away heat. Like <laughs> – no one wants it, dude. Like, it just sucks because I thought he had like he had two good ma- like two or three good matches in the King of the Ring, and I was like, all right, cool. They let Corbin rest for a little bit. He's coming back. Maybe they'll do something with him in the mid card. It'll be fine. And they're like, no, he's gonna wrestle Roman Reigns on SmackDown. I read that and was like, fuck. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> that's gonna, I don't know, the, man. The only thing it's gonna do is make people not like Roman Reigns <laughs> because he's in a match with Corbin. <laughs> They did it with Seth Rollins. It didn't fucking work. Like, don't put Roman in there. That's <laughs> crazy. It's baffling. All right, well, let's get to the uh, SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. We had a promo beforehand where the New Day joked about needing to have more title reigns to keep the pace with Charlotte Flair. thought that was pretty funny. Uh, but either way, you got Kofi <laughs> Kingston and Big E. I love the fucking uh, – the, the New Day's great, man. Everything that they come up with. You can tell they come up with their own shit. Um but uh, they want to get to Revival, and sure enough, uh, they became the uh, SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Uh, it was a good match, back and forth. I wasn't really seeing that coming, but it didn't bother me. I, I still think it's kind of fucked up that Kofi hasn't expressed a goddamn word about his title loss. Um, and I guess this is the offering plate to that. I don't really know, but hey, when it comes down to it, New Day is one of the greatest tag teams uh, in the modern generation, I would say. Uh, they're up there with the three of them as a faction. It's very important. And they bring prestige and good matches to those belts. So I don't have a problem with it. The cool thing that happened afterwards is that uh, Imperium with with Walter came out to the ring, beat the crap out of all four guys, uh, and Heavy Machine tried to make the save, but, you know, they're, they're kind of a little bit of a joke act, so they got their asses kicked. Then the whole entire locker room, came out, and Imperium hightailed it. Uh, so that was a cool little mix. Um, I will say, though, it kind of shows that the U.K. audience didn't seem like they knew Imperium that well, and they're on their own uh, NXT U.K. product. But then again, if you think about it, I'm sure it's, it's a higher percentage over there, but over here there is a large chunk that watch NXT um, that watch – the main product, and there's a large, even larger chunk that don't watch NXT that watch the main product. But I thought the reaction was a little bit light. Uh, either way, good tag match. How do you feel about the New Day being the champions again and trying to beat that Charlotte Flair? <laughs> I like they're trying to beat Charlotte Flair's tag run or her, her championship run or whatever. Um, and the match itself I thought was pretty good. Revival is always a solid. I don't know what they said to piss someone off, but obviously something came. They, like, I don't understand why they would drop the titles here on a basically a non-promoted tag match that's pre-recorded in the U.K. just randomly dropped the You title. know what I was thinking? Uh, now that you bring that up. Did they say some shit about being stuck in Saudi <laughs> for well, like three days? I don't know. <laughs> 
I don't remember them complaining as much about that, but I do know that recently, who's on Monday Night Raw, who used to be on SmackDown, uh, Randy Orton, who just re-signed, has told Vince that he wants to still have a faction with the Revival. So maybe they do a quote-unquote trade, and they trade a tag team, you know, in the next week or two for one of Raw's tag teams between Fox and USA, something like that. I could see that. It's just baffling to me that you got the the WWE has authors of pain and they don't know how to use them. Uh, maybe they should bring Paul Ellering back. I forgot like, that even existed. <laughs> Paul Ellering or authors of pain. <laughs> Uh, oh, I like having machinery here. I pop for I pop for Otis every time I see him. Like I don't understand how they're not one of their top tag teams. Uh, they are. I mean, uh, they're a little bit of a joke act, but they're both really good in the ring. And Otis is super over and a very fun person to watch. You know who else was a joke in the ring? Like as far as like fans concerned, Rikishi. But people fucking love him, and they had good matches. Like uh, if I could, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. like New Day, I, I love New Day. I just, you know, now that Brock is gone, this would have been the perfect time to make Kofi a contender for the title since he never really got a rematch. And you could do Brock versus, or uh, Bray versus Kofi, which I think would be fun, where the New Day could do, do their own uh, fun house, which would be interesting because it would be the actual version of a fun house you would expect with new day with unicorns and bronies and all sorts of crazy shit. Um, I, cause I don't really know that. I mean, I guess my big thing here is like Kofi was like who I would tag if Brock is leaving to take on Bray. So like, I guess Daniel Bryan is going to fall into that because we have seen nothing of Bray since winning the title. I know. But we'll get down to his little visit with Daniel Bryan in a second. Before that, uh, we had Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro going against Ali and Shorty G. Before the match happened, we we had uh, Sami Zayn approaching Daniel Bryan about his offer. And one thing I will say about this, Chris, I think is kind of cool, if they're doing this, which I don't think they are, Sami Zayn having his own – Heenan family, if you will, or or the Million Dollar Man, uh, you know, uh, whatever the fuck they call that faction. But if if he is going to represent certain people like Nakamura and Cesaro, and now he's trying to go for Daniel Bryan, and he has a pretty good proposition, and just says, hey, watch, watch us Shinsuke and Cesaro do tonight, um, and uh, they ended up beating Ali and Shorty G, who both ended up looking like they were very over with the crowd. Uh, you know, they're just both really good at babyface uh, work. Uh, but Daniel Bryan watched from the stage, uh, still not making it clear whether he accepted or rejected Sami Zayn's offer afterwards as he left. Uh, and we'll get to the re- the interaction that led to uh, Bray Wyatt uh, attacking Daniel Bryan a little bit later. But what do you think about this match? And what do you think about the possibility of Sami Zayn kind of refurbishing these guys, even though he should probably be refurbished and trying to make his own I don't know, um, manager-based faction team, whatever the hell. Heenan family, I should have said. Fuck. So I like the idea of the Heenan family. It makes me wonder if Sami Zayn is hurt, like in a way that he cannot work on a consistent basis anymore. Me too. Um, And if that's the case, then maybe I should lay off WWE a little bit. 
but he's a better wrestler, like, within that little group, minus Daniel Bryan. He's the best worker of all of them. So, yep, it's just kind of crazy to think about. So I, I'm just assuming that maybe at this point, I'm assuming that he's hurt. And that's why they have him in this role because he is decent on the mic and uh, he can be very annoying as a heel. And maybe that's just where they have to put him. I could be completely wrong. I mean, he's still taking bumps and stuff, so it's it's just weird. But it doesn't something seem off about this in a way that he's still not having any matches at all? Yeah, man, I agree with you. I think that that is a bit strange. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe he does have a nagging injury that they're trying to let him get over. Or, but, but yeah, but like you said, he's taking bumps. Maybe he wants. Maybe this is actually Sammy's decision to kind of chill out on the wrestling because his body's really aching, but he's willing to do like, you know, manager bumps or whatever, because that's what Bobby Heenan is a good example of someone that did that after it being a wrestler. Uh, He still took really bad bumps as far as being a manager, but um, I don't know. Uh, It could be something temporarily, but if you think about it, if you think the concept of Daniel Bryan, Shinsuke Nakamura, Sami Zayn and Cesaro in a faction together, that's also very intriguing. Now, I don't think they're going to pick up Daniel Bryan. I think the end game is Daniel Bryan against Shinsuke for the IC title. Obviously, something's been thrown into that, but we'll get to that. But, um, yeah, very interesting uh, on what they're going to set up with this. Yeah, I, I would love for them to do more with with this faction idea because I do think it is kind of cool. And I don't want them to just be like, well, Nakamura and Cesaro are a tag team now, which is kind of where I feel like it's going to go, unfortunately. Because yeah. <laughs> you remember Nakamura was in a tag team with Rusev not that long ago. Uh, <laughs> um, it, I, but it does bring the question on, to me, Sami Zayn's health. He's had a bunch of injuries since NXT going into WWE uh, main roster. I'm kind of wondering if maybe either he's saving himself for something special or he just really is more injured than he has let on. It just, it's something just seems off about this because like, I like WWE is bad, but they, they still normally utilize someone like Sami Zayn. Like if you think about Dolph Ziggler, someone that's going to be there night in and night out, that's a good wrestler. They'll still utilize that guy to lose a lot. Yeah, they usually so for him to kind of take up a manager role, which WWE normally hates fucking managers. It something seems off about the entire thing. I have no insider information on whether Sammy is hurt or not hurt, but I'm assuming that something is going on. Um, I I would think the original idea is to set up Sammy versus Nakamura again because they had such a great match the first time in NXT, but this thing seems to be going on longer than I expected. To say the least. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh it's the way that they they're approaching Sammy if there is an injury is very similar to how we felt and kind of still feel. Uh I'm not gonna I hate trying to throw the word accident prone around, but like how Alexa Bliss is. And if I would not want any type of situation like that were to happen, but I would hope if anything happened and she was not wanting to risk, you know, her body or they told her, you know, just like with Sammy in this type of situation, that they would still utilize her since she's such a great person 
as far as a presence, uh, a character on the mic, she's good still with certain aspects. Um, but, well, kind of speaking of which, let's get to the next match. Uh, we had Sasha Banks going against her buddy, Nikki Cross. Uh, Bailey was on commentary. Uh, I, I, here's the thing. I wish that she could tap into her emotions of how how, how there is. Did you just go Bailey was on commentary? <sighs> let me let me let me let me break down the reason why. It's because she didn't put over her persona enough. I think that Michael Cole actually got in the way a couple times. She started trying to talk dialogue, and he would kind of cut her off with doing play by play, which is unfortunate. But you got to jump right back on it. She's just. She's not enthusiastic in being a heel, even though I think she does have that emotional aggravation that not only has she been booked bad, but the audience has kind of just abandoned her. It's just not in her natural being to be this fucking character, and you can tell, and it's not coming off. That's Sasha. Sasha should be the fucking show right now. I don't understand why Bailey's the... You're not making me think that she's on the same level as as uh, Shayna Baszler and Becky when Shayna Baszler comes out and kicks her ass a second fucking time through the audience either. Uh, Sasha Banks beat Nikki, uh, which had nothing to do with Bailey, but that that's that's what the match was. Uh, and they had a good match, but I mean it's kind of hard not to pay attention towards their little love fest when really, honestly, split them the fuck up and keep them away from each other. Sasha Banks is a great heel. Just let her build herself as a heel. Do whatever you got to do with Bailey, but I don't understand why this is continuing to happen. And, you know, I just, I just don't think Bailey's into this, and she's never really been good at talking. You know, she's good at being a smiley baby face. She's actually the perfect example of that. Who she, her smile, her, her performance, her never-give-up attitude is what gets her there. And it's not her that hasn't gotten her there. It's the fucking booking that has made the audience completely sour on her. And that's WWE's fault. But that's a lot of fucking people. So, what did you think about this match, Chris? I thought the match was a great reintroduction to Sasha Banks coming back from an injury. I agree with you 100%, but I'm done talking about Sasha and Bailey because we've been saying, like, why have they not turned against each other? Like, Sasha just left Bailey for three months. How is that not the storyline? How is that not the thing that made Bailey turn heel? She's like, everyone always talks about me being fake and me being this person. I'm actually just a nice person. Like, how is that not the breaking point in the feud actually her versus Sasha? Uh, so, I, I don't know, just, man. I don't, I don't know, man. I, like, Bailey was on the Corey Graves podcast. I don't know if you listened to that. Um, she basically is like, I cut my hair and the fans don't care. And they're like, now they think I'm a heel because I cut a, a Bailey buddy. And you're just like she's not a good heel, but like it would have been no. a lot easier. if The reason that she turned heel would have been like against Sasha, her best friend. And then maybe you could have built her into something. You're right. You're a hundred percent right on just verbal booking of, of Bailey. And uh, at least she has a new finisher. I'll say that the new finisher is a lot more awesome than her old one. Yeah. I like her new finisher and I like, I like her new finisher, and I also like Sasha Banks' new music with Snoop Dogg. I thought that was actually pretty good. Uh, so I will give him this. Uh, well, here's another one with the ladies, uh, one that both me and you were happy about. We had Carmella and Dana Brooke going against Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, Fire and Desire. Uh, the winner of this match would be added to the Survivor Series women's uh, team. 
which I guess is such an honor, whatever. Uh, but uh, we end up having Carmella and Dana Brooke go over with a strong win and a dominant match with Dana Brooke. She got the hot tag, and she was on it, man. You, you could tell. Uh, they probably told this information that she was going over and that she was going to win the match, and she was excited, and she performed, and she did a damn good job. You know, Carmella is no slouch. I've always liked Sonya Deville and Mandy more by themselves than together, but, you know, that's another situation where they have to have fucking a women's tag division, I guess. Um, forcibly. Nothing wrong with the women. Not, nothing wrong with women having a tag division, but forcing people, even if they're friends outside of this, in, instead of just being good singles competitors, I think is dumb. So I'll just leave it at that. But good win for Dana Brooks. Uh, there was a spot, like I said, Chris, that I laughed my ass off in my head because, you know, we all know now that Corey is dating uh, Carmella in real life and has been for a while. Uh, but, you know, that was shown more on the Total Divas show. So there was a part where Mandy had Carmella in some type of position and if Jerry the King Lawler was on commentary with them, he would have been like, so is this your perfect fantasy, Corey? But nothing was said. Of course, it was, it was him and Michael Cole, uh, you know, and no, no one said a damn thing. But, God, it was – like, Michael Cole, just say one comment just out of character. Just fucking say something. Like, hey, Corey, are you, are you enjoying this match? Just something minor. You know, it would have been funny for a pop, but I get why they didn't do it at the same time. Then again, when Lana – well, I don't even want to get into that whole fucking thing. Uh, subtlety's funny still, you know, subtlety, not overdoing it. Anyways, what'd you think about this win? And how'd you like your girl, Dana Brooke getting the win for the team and her and Carmella joining the survivor series women's team. It seems like maybe they're trying to do something with Dana Brooke. She's been on the show two weeks in a row. So that's good. (laughs) I love Dana. Super nice person. And I think that she's better than people give her credit for. Um, I like this a lot because I don't care about fire and desire at all. And speaking of total divas, if if the fire part of fire and desire was actually as heel as she is on that show, she'd probably be like way hated and more over. <laughs> but like, I just don't care about Mandy Rose. I'm like, I, I don't get it. And also the commentary is weird now that Corey Graves can't gush over how much he loves Mandy Rose. <laughs> I don't know if that – was that a little off-putting for you? He's like, I'm in a weird spot now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. I thought that was I thought that was cheeky. That's what I was saying. I, you know, if, you're, if there's a little bit of cheekiness, it's, it's funny. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, it's just awkward. <laughs> I would, re- oh, I would replace Jerry Lawler with uh, Booker T. And just when that spot happens, Booker T just goes, shucky-ducky, y'all. <laughs> hey, Corey, shucky-ducky. Elbowing him in the arm, like Booker, quit elbowing me in the arm. I get it. God dang it, that would have been. That's the level. That's the level of subtlety we need. Is Booker T yelling Shucky Ducky, y'all? Hey man, you know what I'm saying. So uh, Shucky Ducky. Um, All right. So let's. uh, As as bad as certain aspects were in uh, that, I don't think anything builds. Or this fucking next part just really. Had me scratching my fucking head. This actually ended the the whole entire event, at least over in the UK, but was displayed on the uh, thing, um, changed up uh, basically. But Tyson Fury made an appearance. I don't think that's a bad thing. Tyson's not good on the mic, at least with uh, you know. I this is a fucking person you just get bullet points to and just send them out there. He looked like he was reading a goddamn script that he memorized, and it looked jarring as shit. 
it would basically be an impromptu, not tag team match, but him and Braun Strowman, who are now apparently buddy-buddy, just kicking the shit out of the B team. Uh, and then they celebrated together. And you could tell that Tyson had no idea where the fuck he was going. And he was trying to get all the goddamn cues from uh, Braun afterwards. Even leading up to, hey, this is where we put our arms up? And Braun's like, yeah, you, ju- you just put your arms up. Like, God damn it, dude. Like, I don't have a problem with them bringing sports figures into this. You know, it's worked in the past. Uh, I don't know if you consider Mr. T, but like Lawrence Taylor or fucking Mike Tyson or, or Mayweather even. But this was just silly, stupid shit. I really hope that he doesn't go against Brock Lesnar like his hopes are at fucking WrestleMania. <laughs> just worry about what you're going to worry about. You know, you got a huge boxing match coming up, champ. See if you can actually fucking do something. Uh, but yeah, all shit talking Not- aside, I thought this was terrible. What'd you think, Chris? I mean, maybe if he was focused more on boxing, <laughs> he wouldn't get knocked the fuck out by Don- Deontay Wilder. Uh, I think Deontay is going to take him in that boxing match, by the way, <laughs> after this. Uh, I, and I hope so. Um, this is terrible. Like, everything they've done with Tyson Fury is terrible. And them giving, like you said, a bullet point um, takes away everything that makes him the gypsy king. It takes away everything that is good about him. You know, it takes away everything that, like, actually makes him an interesting person by having him go out and give a bullet point speech. Um, the match is bad. And also, like, why is him and Braun friends? I expected Braun to get his heat back by demolishing Tyson Fury on the show. Obviously, that didn't fucking happen. Um, yeah, no, fucking I hated it. It was fucking terrible. I hope the I hope the UK fans liked it more than me. Let me say that. Like the fans in the building, I hope they enjoyed it because I thought it was it fucking sucked. You look at Floyd Mayweather and how well they did like him versus the Big Show, which he just kicked Big Show in the nuts and punched him in the face. It's like that's easy and great. You look at Mike Tyson and what they did with him. The fact that he turned against Sean and knocked him out at the end of the match and how well that was done. And you're just like you can't find anything for this guy to do. Like. You're going to have him have a wrestling match with two weeks of fucking training? And then you're going to, like, take away the best part of him, which is his promos and the way he's able to connect with people as being the Gypsy King, as being, like, the street fighter guy that came up and won the title, and give him a scripted fucking promo (laughs) as a guy that's not a professional wrestler? Like, fuck off. This all sucked. Yeah, (laughs) I I didn't get it. And I will say, I get the reason why you use Tyson Fury. You're in Manchester, England. He's already there. He was just on your programming over in Saudi Arabia a week ago. I get all that. He's over his shit in the U.K. He had a great reaction. But it just still didn't seem very necessary at the same time. Very WWE of what they would fucking do in this situation. And I hate that Braun Strowman is now the big show. Like, I love the big show, but he literally is that. And he hasn't had a championship win. That's the biggest difference. He hasn't even had the fucking belt. Ugh, it's just so frustrating. I mean, the worst part the worst part is, is if you have Tyson Fury in Manchester and he's got a match against Deontay Wilder in February, like, have him say Tyson Fury shit. Like, the crowd would pop for that. Like, don't have him come out there and talk about, like, how great it was to get a TKO countout victory, which fucking never happens in WWE because the referee counts for, like, a bazillion goddamn seconds while I set up a table spot. It's like, fucking... Anyways, 
I'm done. I'm done rambling about how bad this was. Yeah. I knew it was going to be bad. I just thought maybe you have Tyson Fury. You let him be Tyson Fury, even though I'm not the biggest fan of him. There are a lot of people that are big fans of him, especially his story is uh, his dad being a gypsy fighter. And, you know, the entire character of the Gypsy King, they could have done some really cool shit with. They didn't necessarily have to have a match to make him important. Uh I, I don't know. They shit the bed on utilizing him. That's the best way to put it. Yeah, well, let's let's uh let's and I agree with you completely. We'll see what else happens. I'm sure they're actually gonna do some more stuff with Tyson Fury, especially if he does uh lose to Wilder. Uh which we'll we'll find out. Like you said, I, I agree with you on everything though. The last match uh, that we saw was the match between uh King Corbin and Roman Reigns. Corbin got a win over Roman Reigns. Now, it's due to interference with Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler, who played a factor throughout the whole entire fucking match. Why is Baron Corbin with the two of them? Have no idea. Uh, I love that. Doesn't matter. You can tell if, when you're looking at the ring and the, the camera angles on the ramp and you see both guys, you can tell that Dolph Ziggler doesn't give a fuck at this point. He's barely cheering. He's barely doing a goddamn thing. Well, Robert Roode's still giving his fucking passion and still trying to cheer on uh, King Corbin and just giving it to it. And I feel like Dolph afterwards, like Bobby, just come on, man. Like, I don't know, man. Another person to go to NXT, fucking put Bobby Roode back in NXT for God's sakes, man, do a trade or some shit. Justify it every new way that you want to. It's just, it's, it's sad when I see him in this, but yeah, Roman Reigns got a loss from King Corbin. I know that there, you know, before I pass it back to you, Chris, for your uh, thoughts, I know that there was another three hours that were recorded for Monday Night Raw right after us. So realize that the audience were in there for fucking five hours. I heard Rob, the audience kind of turned on them p- part of the way. Uh, and But I heard the matches were great. I don't want to go into any spoilers of the match specifically set up, but I'm very excited to watch it. And I heard that one of the segments is one of the most cringeworthy and worst segments they've done. And I know what it is, and it's fucking terrible. Either way, uh, just to warn you guys, when we talk about Raw next, there's a little warning. You guys can look it up if you'd like to. Chris, what did you think about this last match and uh, the 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 what we found out about Raw? If you do know anything, I, I thought the match was, itself was pretty good. Um, I'm right there with you with Bobby Roode, and Ziggler definitely doesn't give a fuck anymore. Like he's been checked out for a while. <laughs> I mean, like I guess he came out and did the matches with Kofi and tried. Um, maybe probably because he likes Kofi as a person. I know he's friends with Xavier and Kofi, so I'm assuming that's why. But, like, his level of give a fuck is, like, under 9,000. Let's say that. Um, the Raw stuff, I haven't looked into at all. So I don't have any preconceptions of Raw. But I'm assuming the cringeworthy-ass segment has something to do with Bobby Lashley and Lana and Rusev because it fucking sucks. Am I right on the cringeworthy segment? Hmm, I don't know. Could be. Wait until you find – if you don't look it up, Chris, wait until you find out. I, I, I kind of encourage you not to because I want to get your reaction via text message when it happens, and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> because I was like, what the fuck when I read it? Oh, God. But I heard a lot of the matches are awesome on it. Like I said, I'm really looking forward to one in particular. It's a good follow-up from SmackDown. I'll just say that. But – um. Yeah, I How think is that's it a good follow-up from SmackDown? Separate brands. Well, uh, invasion-wise with NXT, why they're in the UK. I'll just leave it at that. And I think it's oh, good okay. that they're, so, they're, 
they're utilizing UK NXT talent to try to get them over, you know, a part of this whole entire thing. Uh, so Walter kills a guy. Spoiler alert. <laughs> okay, gotcha. I'm not, I'm not going to say That's anything, but, you know, there might be involvement with something involving Walter. I have no idea. I don't I'm – I'm, my, my sources – I'm just going to shut up now. Anyways, but, uh, you know, it's time to get ready. Uh, I'm going to clean the crap out of my room and uh, eat a bunch of food and get ready to watch Full Gear tonight and uh, look for our review next Thursday, 7 p.m., EST. Uh, we'll go over obviously Raw. Uh, well, we'll go over the Wednesday Night Wars probably, and uh, Raw, and kind of give you guys some updates on all that. But our main thing will be AEW Full Gear. Can't wait for the pay per view tonight. Remember, I said beforehand, you guys can listen to us on all formats of SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, pretty much any of the ones that are out there. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance specifically for this show and Geek Fives Nation for everything else. Go to our website, Geek Fives Nation. For all news articles, for wrestling, comics, and uh, everything in between, as well as our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Geek Vibes Nation. And uh, Chris, you're, you must be excited about AEW Full Gear. Give me a little bit of your excitement and uh, say goodbye to the wonderful people of Geek Vibes Nation. Super, super, super excited about Full Gear. Make sure you guys hit me up on at Chris R. Patton on Twitter, Christopher.R.Patton on Facebook. Uh, any questions about wrestling, hockey, um, some movies? You got we a show about coming the Godfather up? earlier. Yeah, we got a show today. Uh, it should be recorded later. Uh, the last episode, The Throat Scrotes, is a two-parter. We talk about the great Willie O'Ree, who is the Jackie Robinson of hockey. Uh, so check that out. Uh, that's a good shit. And um, yeah, you're gonna get to hear me shit on uh, essentially these Colt fans. Uh, <laughs> AEW and WWE type fans that we always yell about, they exist in hockey yep. as well. So that's going to be on the next episode. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they exist in every fucking thing that we try to enjoy. You damn trolls out there. Why are you so loud? It's annoying. Anyways, if you guys want to enjoy yourself, I don't know why I went to this impromptu song, but listen to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We're here every Thursday at 7 p.m. and every Saturday at noon to go over the latest and greatest in professional wrestling every week. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. Have a great evening. Let the Geek Vibes be with you. And, of course, peace out. Listen up, Slap Nuts. This is the King of the Mountain, Jeff Jarrett, and you're listening to the Wrestling Geeks Alliance.